Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. A year from now, Illinois will end cash bail. It's going to happen. It's the law. And the courts and the community still have almost a year to prepare for it. But what is it going to mean and why is the issue of bail still so controversial? This weekend, we're going to look at those questions from the top and the bottom. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Almost a year ago, Illinois became the first state in the nation to vote to eliminate setting cash bond to allow people to stay free pending criminal trials. Technically, the bond is meant to secure a defendant's intent to appear for any hearings or a trial. But in practice, setting dollar amounts that mean whether people stay behind bars or not has resulted in a lot of low-income people, mostly African-Americans and Latinos, sitting in jails and not working while they await the resolution of any charges against them. Now, some question whether that's constitutional, especially when our justice system is based on the premise that a person is innocent until proven guilty. On the other hand, there are many questioning whether letting more people out is safe. Well, we're going to discuss the where's, the what's, and the what ifs during this half hour with two guests who come from very different directions. Dennis Deere is a Cook County commissioner who is a psychologist by training. He's also a vice president of the Lawndale Christian Legal Center. They help people who are coming out of jail and prison, among other things. Matthew McFarlane is a project director, in fact, the project director for Release with Support which is part of the bail project. He was once, well, more than once behind bars and a substance abuser whose life turned around when he was offered an opportunity that may now be offered to more people. And I thank both of you for uh, joining me for this discussion. Uh, Dennis Deere, explain what it is that Lawndale Christian Legal Center does and how it fits into this future of the bail system that we have here in Illinois. Well, first and foremost, Craig, it is a delight to be here with you. Um, Thank you so much for having us here. Um, The Lawndale Christian Legal Center does a lot. Uh, First, we'll start by saying holistic legal services. And this is very, very important to me because it's just not legal services. It provides holistic help in addition to legal services. So whereas one may go to a lawyer in general and just get legal support, at the Lawndale Christian Legal Center, they would receive case management services, mental health counseling, substance abuse services. If they're having housing issues, they get housing services. 
and also outreach services. Outreach services are important because sometimes people still have one foot on, on the responsible side of the continuum and sometimes one foot in the street. And so we're trying to get them totally out of the street and our, our outreach help workers help out with that. Now, I want to turn to Matthew McFarlane. The name of your operation, Community Release with Support, is kind of self-explanatory. Uh, but as we move into a world of no cash bail, how will uh, that be different from what's come before that we maybe have gotten used to? Yeah, thanks, Craig. Uh, I echo Commissioner Deere's sentiments. Thank you so much for having us on the show today. I'm super excited about talking to you. Um, Community release with support is, is self-explanatory. What's different about this is it builds an infrastructure of support to help people who are returning from incarceration pre-trial. These are folks that are, are typically going to be let, you know, when the when the new law takes effect in January 2023, you'll either get out or you won't, and that decision will be made by a judge. Um, what community release with support does is it builds an infrastructure of support for people who could benefit, right, from services such as mental health substance use, housing, healthcare, so on and so forth, um, to ensure, to help them to make their court dates, right? Um, and connect them to very valuable services that um, will you know, heighten the probability that they'll make their court dates, but not only that, have the real potential of changing the trajectory of their lives. Now, uh, Matthew, your life is an example of the difference that alternatives to incarceration can make. Uh, can you briefly explain, frankly, how far down the wrong path you went and what brought you back? Yeah, it's a good question, Craig. Um, last month, I celebrated six years of sobriety. Um, I lived a life of addiction that was fueled by drug dealing. My daily drug cocktail of heroin, crack, and Xanax cost nearly $1,000 a day. I smoked crack incessantly and stuck my arm with heroin at least 20 times a day. Um, I've carried a gun for safety. I've been beaten. I've been stabbed in the neck. I've been through it all. By the time I was 40 years old, I had a rap, uh, rap sheet that was over 30 pages long. Um, at around this time, a month ago, six years ago, uh, everything changed for me. Um, I was arrested again. I was dying of hepatitis C, uh, hepatitis C stage three liver damage. Um, everybody that knew me knew I was dying. Um, and when I appeared before the judge this time I was offered drug court an opportunity to get help in a community-based setting. Drug treatment is what it was for me. Um, for the first time in my life, you know, that the, the entire court system from the judge to the state's attorney and the public defender were all working together to help me. Um, I was offered treatment. I went to treatment in the community. I went to an organization called Gateway Foundation. I was able to get sober. Um, and then the criminal justice system took a whole new meaning for me, took on a whole new meaning for me. I was able to go back and forth to court. Um, I was excited about going to court, showing the judge my treatment certificates, that I had gotten a job, um, that I was supporting my daughter, that I eventually won custody for. Um, things started coming together and I was supported by the criminal justice system as opposed to what my typical um, experience had been right that that, that I would you know I, I was always afraid to go to court I was afraid I was going to be locked up in jail um, it was it was a very it, it was a scary experience this time it was different and so for me um, celebrating six years sober um, shows me right and I know from my experience that these services 
have have the real probability of turning somebody's life around. I mean, again, today at six years sober, um, I'm a father. I have full custody of my daughter. I'm speaking to you from a home that I bought, I purchased three years ago. Um, life is completely different. I'm over this project and I'm, I'm so happy and pleased to partner with Lawndale Christian Legal Center. And I'm, I'm super excited that the bail project and my boss, Robin Steinberg, a president and CEO, believed in me, th these services and the results of these services so much that they were willing to grant $2.9 million to Lawndale Christian Legal Center um, to provide these very important services to other people like me that are going through the criminal justice system to change the trajectory of their lives. And that's what this is. It's a partnership with a national nonprofit, and we're partnering with a community base. And when I say community base, they are located in the community of North Lawndale on a side street to partner with an organization such as Lawndale Christian Legal Center to provide these services. The answers lie in the community. The community knows what's best for the community. And that's what this partnership is about. It's about providing those services. Um, and, you know, uh, the reality of it is, is that not everybody that comes, you know, in cycles in and out of jail or that is released from jail will need services. But for those that do, people like myself, these are the services that are life-changing. And the commission- And i like to- Oh, yeah, go I ahead. Echo, Please. echo a little bit of what Matthew so eloquently stated um, that's what LCLC is all about. It's one of the reasons that I joined LCLC. I am a community person, um, born and raised in North Lawndale. I still live in North Lawndale, ran several businesses in North Lawndale, but it was always about causing generational change to take place. Even for those individuals that I saw who had mental health conditions, who had anger management conditions, domestic violence issues, violence issues. It was about helping them to change the trajectory. The only way we do that is by support. I saw my first murder at 10 years old and that was a defining moment for me, but I had some supports. I had a mother that was there for me. I had a father that was there for me. I had individuals like most of the elected officials had dinner at my house. They were there as a support, but we were surrounded by violence. And I see that for many of the young kids that we're serving today, 18 to 24, they are surrounded by some of the same violence that I was, but they didn't have those necessary supports that I had. And that's what's being provided at LCLC. That's what Matthew is talking about with the Bell Project, having the necessary support services to help individuals out. I'll give you a quick example if I can. There was an individual who came to LCLC and he was a client there. And this particular individual uh, one day got shot and he got shot and he did not wanna go to the hospital, right? He came to LCLC and, and, and was waiting in the lobby bleeding. And we said to him, you gotta go to the hospital. He needed permission. He wanted to talk to his lawyer. He wanted to talk to his case manager, explain to them what was going on before he went to the hospital. And so on his way to the hospital, I asked him, look, why did you do that? You know what he said? This is my family. These are the individuals who I count on for support. And that individual has gone on and begin to live a successful life.
but it is about the supports. And that raises an issue that I want to ask both of you about this kind of individual help, the kind of counts one-on-one that is part and parcel of uh, you know, the, the wraparound is, I guess, the word we use every day now, services uh, that is labor intensive. It sounds expensive. And is it? Uh, I mean, yeah, we're talking about, you know, almost $3 million for what's going to happen, you know, that you're working on, Matthew. Uh, and is it sustainable when you're going to have more people uh, coming out and find looking for alternatives? I, you know, my response to that is, is, first of all, what's not sustainable is to continue on the way we've been going, right, by not providing supports. We see the violence increases, you know, increasing in Chicago. We see people cycling in and out of the criminal justice system over and over again. I mean, for me, that was my life, right? Get arrested, go into jail, get out, repeat, get arrested, go into jail, get out, repeat. That's what's not sustainable. Um, $2.9 million may seem like a lot of money, um, but when you, when you factor in the costs, what it costs to incarcerate somebody, the collateral damage and impact that that has on their families and their communities, um, they, don't, they don't match, right? Um, and so for us, $2.9 million is a very small investment. Um, our program aims at touching 6,000 people. We're estimating that 50% of those people will opt into services we're estimating that of those 3,000, which is 50% of the 6,000, um, will be what, we, what we're projecting as high need clients. Those clients will get the intensive services that include holistic community-based defense, a dedicated case manager, and a community support specialist that will help them with uh, court reminders, transportation to and from court, and linkage to social service providers if they choose or need those services. And this is all based on a needs assessment. It's a, both a needs and a strength-based assessment. Um, we always consider the client to be the, but their own best advocate and know what they need. And so we look to the clients to tell us, what do you need? What kind of supports, if any, do you need that will you know, help you to be more successful at, and not just completing this case, but the whole idea of this thing is just to not send somebody back to the same street corner they That's came right. from, right? And expect them to thrive. This is about meaningful interventions that, that really have the potential of changing the trajectory of somebody's lives, of somebody's life, just like, just like it did me, Greg. But Commissioner, can you see, foresee government being willing to step up as well? Because what Matthew's dealing with is essentially foundation money. This is money that is coming in from the private sector, but is the public sector going to be willing and able to step up? Well, I, I think so. And let me say this, we know that what has been taking place has not worked, right? Socrates said it best a long time ago. If you always do what you've always done, you're gonna always get what you've always got. That's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. We cannot continue on the same trajectory and expect something different. We have spent millions, if not billions of dollars incarcerating individuals, letting them out with no habilitation, and I say habilitation on purpose, with no habilitation, and then they go right back in and come back out. There's a prison industrial complex associated with this. And guess what? Those people look like me, the majority of them. Most of them are black and brown. 
and it's attached to underserved communities, as you heard as we talked in the hearing on, on violence that we were talking about a little bit earlier. So, so I believe that government will, has and will support this. And part of the thing that we've done on the county board level um, from ARPA funding is we have associated about $36 million towards violence, intervention, and prevention. We've um, uh, dedicated some 60 million towards mental health services, which we know is a huge component of this. We cannot continue the same thing, which brings us to the deerism. That means I made it up. In order for us to get something we never had, we gotta do something we never done. And I think we're doing that. If you listen uh, in, the, in the hearing, you heard the public defender's office talk about the fact that they're doing some community centers on the west and south sides that, that really focuses in on helping individuals after they have been released. So this is something I think that government is looking at the Judicial Advisory Council, <coughs> excuse me, at the county level, have those funding, we'll focus on those organizations that are doing this work. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're talking about the impending end of cash bail in Illinois with Matthew McFarland, Project Director of the Bail Project's Community Release Program, and Cook County Commissioner Dennis Deer, who's also Vice President of the Lawndale Christian Legal Center. Uh, and I'm going to sort of ask a question that's sort of about Matthew McFarland, but uh, is really about more than that. But Matthew, you are a great example of the good that can be done without uh, cash bail and unnecessary confinement. But let's be honest, you are not what people in crime-ridden neighborhoods are afraid of. Uh, they, they, they worry about folks who, who carry and use guns uh, are also going to be out on the street. Uh, how do we address the fear that is making this a continuing debate about how and when we allow people to be free ahead of trial? Yeah, I mean, I, that's a good question. First, let me say that I have carried a gun. I've carried a gun for safety. Um, and a lot of our clients that we see time and time again um, that, we, that we help out are doing the same thing. You know, in, in Cook County in Illinois, Carrying a weapon is the, the name of the of the crime or the statute is called unlawful use of a weapon. So to me, it's inappropriately named because they're not actually using the weapon, they're carrying it. And the vast majority of folks that we've worked with over the past three years at the Bail Project have told us the same thing. If you lived where I lived, you'd carry a gun too. These are people that have been impacted and have seen violence occur on their street corners. You heard from Commissioner Deer talk about you know, him witnessing a murder when he was, I believe it was 10 years old. I mean, those, that's the reality of, of what's happening in our neighborhoods. And so I don't want to equate, we should never conflate, right, the ending of cash bail with violence or community safety, because it's not. Um, it, it really isn't. And judges will make these decisions on whether or not somebody is released or they stay incarcerated. Certainly, um, there is a place for incarceration. There is a time when incapacitating an individual for a period of time because of a community safety concern is appropriate. However, um, I would not go as far as saying that that applies across the board. Um, judges will make that, you know, that determination. We're here to support people and provide meaningful interventions 
to help them make their court dates, get back to and from court, and potentially not ever need a lawyer again. You know, I, it was funny. I even, you know, I was telling my boss, um, Robin, when I was in LA about a year ago, I said, Robin, you know, I, I, you know, the funny thing about this whole thing is, and I don't know if it's funny or not, but is I've had good lawyers. I've had bad lawyers. You know, the problem was I always needed one, right? I always needed a lawyer until I figured out the root cause of what was going on with me. I haven't needed a lawyer since Craig. I haven't, I mean, I'm surrounded by them nowadays, right? With the work <laughs> I do, um, which is kind of funny. Um, but I, I haven't really needed one personally. You know, I, I haven't even gotten a speeding ticket so much as a speeding ticket once I figured this out. Um, that's what this is about, right? It's about listening to what our clients are telling us, right? It's about listening to that and providing those meaningful interventions. But I guess the, the point I'm trying to make, and I, and I want you to address this, Commissioner Deer, uh, is that while many of the people who are facing charges and have been sent to, to jail it is on you, what they call UUW, yeah. Uh, yes. And they only had guns. There are a number of people who may, in fact, who are, or are accused of actually using the gun, actually committing assault, and they too are getting out. And that's where the debate is coming in. That is where someone like Mayor Lightfoot is saying, you shouldn't let those people out. And the chief judge is saying, but we're supposed to, unless, right. you know, because they're presumed innocent. And Until proven guilty. Yes. But how do you, I mean, let me use the example that came up in the hearing. The chief judge's office noted that fewer than 1% of felons released on electronic monitoring commit new crimes while out or violent crimes while out. Now that is low, but it's it still nearly one in every hundred. And how many of those people are out? It could be thousands. Look, at the, at the end of the day, there's no perfect system out there. Um, you know, for us to say that it's 1%, that is a, certainly a low number, but I think we go back to what both Matthew and I said a little bit earlier. At the end of the day, if we want to use a litmus test, we got to say, did that person have supports? that was out there? Did that person get case management? Did that person get anger management training? Did they have some mentorship? Did they have some outreach? In most cases, no, right? And so that is why we're stating what we're stating, that it is important that we utilize this innovative type of service, which is holistic, which actually gives that person a leg up. Look, I've been practicing clinical work for 20 years. Some people that me as a clinician, when they came into my office, I was thinking to myself, wow. But I saw those people transform during the time that they were there. Their judges, in most cases, and I know a lot of the judges personally now because they, they sent their clients over to me to, to make that change. I saw them transform personally. I saw that they did not go back into incarceration because of the mitigation that took place with them receiving those particular services. And so if a person has not seen that, if they don't have that type of background, if they have not looked at the research, I would, um, I would say to them, look at it. Be willing to take a close look 
at what these support services can do. Because I believe, and obviously some of the litmus tests and empirical data supports it, that this helps an individual to change. Can I, can I piggyback on sure, that? Sure, please. You know, and I think the other thing that we're talking about right now is, is, is what makes this so dangerous and what makes our criminal justice system so unfair is that we're narrating around the exception rather than the rule. We're talking about that 1% and we're not talking about the 99%, right? That go on and do wonderful things. I just want to kind of point that out because I think we get ourselves into a very dangerous, we back ourselves into a corner and we go right back to doing what we've always done with the fear mongering about that 1%. But the reality of this is, is that most people, the vast majority of people will do fine under these new circumstances. And that's, you know, and, and to Commissioner Deere's point, I want to, I want to, you know, we often refer to this as a second chance for the vast majority of folks that we work with. It's a first chance. They've never had the opportunity to get gainful employment or training or have a have a mentor That's or right. father in their life that can lead them down the right path. I'm one of those folks I know. And, and so I just want to be careful that we're not overly narrating around that 1% without talking about the other 99%. But what's even more dangerous, right, is when we legislate around the exception rather than the rule. So let's just let's keep in mind that we're talking about 99% of these folks that are doing just fine. And, and therein lies the difference between habilitation and rehabilitation. That's what I've talked about a little bit earlier. Some individuals have never had this opportunity. This is the first time that they're actually getting an opportunity to make a difference. And they take, it, take the bull by the horns and go for it. We need to, not only in the community, but as government, give them that opportunity. And what you heard at that hearing was, individuals willing to give the opportunity. Uh, is there anything that the courts can do better to protect the public from what I might term habitually dangerous felons? In other words, the some, yes, it is the, the very small minority, but nevertheless, you know, as people tell us all the time, yeah, if you're the one who got shot, the statistics don't matter to you uh, and, and or, or to your neighbor who, who knows what happened to you. But is there some should the courts be doing anything different to catch that one percent of the people who got in jail, maybe were shot and are anxious to get back out there so they can get revenge on the other you know, person who, who did it? And is there some better way to capture those people within, without infringing on those people who really do need help and could benefit from it? Uh, Commissioner? Oh, I, I can jump at that. Um, this will sound cliche. Give them some support services. Give them those supports on the inside. We always talk about re-entry. We have to talk about inner entry in reach, inside of the prison system, inside of incarceration. Look, I got my clinical head on now. Change is the only thing in this universe that's constant. It's always taking place. Anybody, and I mean anybody, can change if given the opportunity. I have worked with, the, with the, what one would have considered the worst of the worst. And I've seen that individual change. We've got only about a minute left. I want to give uh, Matthew McFarlane the last word here. What do you need 
to do your job better? What does your organization need to do better? We need stakeholder support. We need the public to embrace this. We need people to understand in your, you know, in your previous question about habitual, there's something else going on. First, the first thing I would point out is that murder has one of the lowest recidivism rates than any other crime that there is, you know, that we can speak of. Um, and typically, you know, these are folks that if they would have give, been given that first opportunity, right, um, probably wouldn't have ended up in that situation. But I understand that after a trigger is pulled, the trigger is pulled, and that doesn't that doesn't help. But this is about preventative maintenance. This is about really helping individuals, um, and it's about it's about people like me, right? It's about never needing a lawyer again, right? It's about never needing to worry about when your next court date is again. We need stakeholder support. And I will say that um, to date, people have really risen above the politics um, here in Cook County. I'm, I'm very impressed with, with our judiciary, with our state's attorney and our public defender and our sheriff, Tom Dart, how people have come together and realized that it's interventions like this that are not just going to change the, tra the trajectory of individuals' lives, but change the trajectory of our criminal justice system. And that's what this is. Thank you so much. That is uh, Matthew McFarlane. He is uh, uh, head of the uh, Community Release with Support Program for the Bail Project. And Commissioner Dennis Deer, who's with the Lawndale Christian Legal Center. For, thank you both for spending the time with me. Uh, to our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website at wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage. You can also find our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 780 and 105.9 WBBM. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.